Coming up, roses are red, violets are blue, and the Brooklyn Nets stink. We break down the historic loss coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there's Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms, and that matters, especially after a loss like this. Doug, we're the Brooklyn Nets on the second game of a back-to-back against Boston, 119-68. They lost, by the way, setting the second-worst margin of defeat in franchise history. How you doing, buddy? I blacked out. What happened? What did I miss? Uh, do, do we miss a basketball game? Day. I was getting wine and roses for my lady. And then this kind of just ruined it. 136 86. Uh, I mean, just a near all time loss, pretty much an all time loss for the Nets tonight. Uh, oh, sorry, I misquoted, I misquoted that number, by the okay. way. The the es the uh the box score froze on me. Thankfully, it didn't look nearly as bad. Yeah, it broke. It was like we gave up. They, they gave up trying to tally how bad the the, the box score folks um gave up trying to tally how bad the Nets were oh. losing this game. They ultimately we can lend some context to this game. When I say all time loss, I mean we're trending in that direction here. It's second worst loss in Nets history. Fourth worst loss in the NBA uh, this season. Tied well, sorry, t- tied for fourth. Um, for the uh, worst, biggest margin of uh, loss in the NBA this season was trending toward lowest point total for a team um, in a se- in the game this season. Ended up coming in and eh, tied for fifth on that one. So just all around, really any way you want to slice this thing, this was as long as we've been doing the podcast and probably for most Nets fans out there, this was about as bad. And look, it's the second worst loss in history. Like this is as bad as it's ever going to get in terms of how bad you lose a game. It was over from the tip and they never look back. I, there's no X's and O's to break down from this standpoint, except to say like, you know, start taking it higher. Uh, I mean, we could do a little X's and O's, but you know, higher look at like sort of what's happening with this organization. But on a base level for this game, this is literally as bad as it gets when it comes to NBA losses. Fun fact, uh, Doug, 2022-2023 uh, season, February 1st, 2023, Boston Celtics 139, Brooklyn Nets 96, a 43-point margin of defeat there. That marked the uh, sixth worst loss in franchise history. Could you imagine? That's like a pos- that's positively a barn burner compared, compared to what we got. <laughs> right there. Compared to what, well, I would give I, anything for a 46-point loss coming in tonight. Now nah, they had to go off and lose by 50 losers. If I recall correctly, watching that game in real time, I thought nail-biter. That was my, that was my takeaway <laughs> back then. This this was also sandwiched in between, as you say, two games. But just to be clear, the worst loss in franchise history, 1978-79 against the Houston Rockets, a 52-point margin, 139-87. I'm noticing a trend here. I like to be in the 130s when you're going to get absolutely blown out. To your point, there's nothing to break down inside of this game. There was no Ben Simmons. You got back Cam Johnson, blah, 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 right? Who, who played in this game means absolutely nothing. What is startling is is coming out of the of the game just one night prior, where, yes, they were mm-hmm. down 15 to 20 points throughout, but they put together a run. I happened to connect with John Corrales from Locked On Celtics earlier today, where he said it was funny because he listens, of course, to the Locked On Nets podcast, and he was surprised because 
he looked at it as the Nets really made a push late in that game. Like he put it more on the Nets succeeding, not the, the Celtics taking their foot off the gas. So there's all these things to say. That's exactly what we thought. Did we think the Nets were going to win either one of these games? No. But the type of effort and, and the ability to come back in a game and make it interesting late is all we really set our expectations at. There was not a single second from the moment this ball got tipped off that you thought the Brooklyn Nets were going to have any part of this contest. No, like the the effort was really low. Uh, you had to you had to look straight at the coach when the effort is this low, yeah. right? Like there's nowhere else. To, I, the, I mean, you look, I mean, really everybody, but, but this has to land squarely on, on Vaughn's back to you know to just get blown out this bad. I know they're without Simmons for this game. That's uh, you know, they've kind of shown that they need him at times, but they've been able to win games without him. They had really no answers early on for what Boston was trying to run. Boston was running one, they were targeting like Cam. I don't even want to blame him really. They were targeting him on offense. They were kind of running this like I would call it like a Spain pick and roll at times, where like screen the screener action uh, that was getting them downhill to the rim. Um, you know, with the, this is why Tatum had a bunch of assists <laughs> in the game uh, to Porzingis because they would run like screening actions sort of at the nail. And then the Nets were just very confused about like what was happening. They didn't really know how to switch that action. So like they weren't forcing the Nets to switch on, on the on ball screens, but rather like these off ball screens. And the Nets just kind of couldn't figure out what was going on with these. And it didn't happen every single time, but it happened enough. And then be, and when they weren't running those actions, they were just getting guys onto like just sort of positive matchups sort of across the board. And that was on offense. And then on defense, excuse me, that was on defense. And then on offense, the Nets, I mean, it was so apparent that the Nets offense had like literally no juice here. Yeah. And this is what happens when you face Drew Holiday, Derek White, you know, Tatum there, Porzingis who can clean a lot of this up, but he really didn't even need to. When the Nets play a team like this that has good point of attack, they have so much trouble. Like they can't because really Bridges can't beat as a defender. Cam really couldn't beat a defender. And if they can't do that, like the Nets offense will just grind down to a halt. So between those two things on the offensive and defensive end, if we're going to get a little X's and O's on this, I mean, that's the beginning of why you are you dig a hole. And then you combine that with just basically giving up. <laughs> and you're and a little and, dash and just giving up. I mean, they did. They gave 100%. up. Like, no, like, 100%. There's like, there's, they, they gave up. Like those, nothing was working. And then they just decided nothing's going to work. Right. Like there's no adjustments. There was no energy, nothing. I know it went long there, but like, that's just yeah. kind of like how I see the game on a high level. No, of course. And, and by the way, we, everybody knows the Celtics are an incredible team, right? They, they have double the number of wins this season that the Brooklyn Nets do. Like it's understood. The Nets are outmatched in this game, but you mentioned that part on the offensive end. Nobody. And I mean, nobody, Cam Thomas included, could take their man off the dribble and find space no. for themselves, get into the paint, create a little bit of motion, force the defense to collapse a little. And when you start to look at it like that, again, then you're thinking about Nicholas Claxton. Well, okay, so Porzingis will just kind of sag in the paint. You decide. We, there, was, there was a possession early in this game where Nicholas Claxton dribbled around for the entire shot clock. And, and, and on the one hand, you'd say it's like a Ben Simmons kind of thing. Hey, turn and just attack at the basket, try to get fouled. That's how the possession ended, and he misses the layup trying to go up Porzingis. But everything in between there, you're watching the guys off ball. Not a single one of them talk about on ball taking on a defender. They couldn't get away from their defenders just to give yeah. Nick Claxton someone to pass it to. And again, Boston is incredible, but this was, in contrast to the game prior, just so startling and also crystallizing this is what happens after losses like this you get at least i do i get pretty fired up and start getting pretty negative 
but it was so glaring the deficiencies that we know this team has had but then on top of it the inability to do anything different there, there was no adjustment to be made there was no and I want to get into the second with Jacques Vaughn no change in terms of uh, trying something different schematically or otherwise it was just a mess it was a mess from the start you mentioned the team just basically giving up on it and that's the next thing that I want to get to here Jacques Vaughn and his decision-making process, when we look at how long any of these starters played in this game, at what point do you need to send a clear message, even if it seems like the players are no longer necessarily listening? We'll get into that coming up here in just one second. All right, did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood is the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this. Now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another or other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right. No cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401k. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep IRA, Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. All right. So as we continue, the <laughs> we're going to still call it a post game, even if the Nets didn't play a full 48 or maybe in a full eight seconds of this one. We do remind you, you get over to WeGotNets.com and you can sign up with your email for a free ebook. Hey, guess what? Five stories in five days. And as Doug has said before, people are clamoring for more. Maybe we'll tell the story of this one, the all-time historic loss in Boston. For we the were there Boston for it. <laughs> we, we could tell you a tale. You can also, by the way, fill out a form, ask us questions. What stories do you want to hear about? Maybe you send a message that says, don't tell me about this loss for the Brooklyn Nets. We never want to hear about it again. We got Nets.com. Sign up for your free ebook today. Okay, so I do want to get to the Jock Vaughn piece of this, but that in some in some ways does feel like territory we've, we've walked down multiple times across this season. Let's just live in the fact that the trade deadline just passed. Does a game like this and a loss like this and the coach performance and the player performance, is there any world where you think that this should rein up the chain of command to maybe we made a massive error in judgment at the deadline. We already understand they lost a lot of games, but I don't put I don't, in my mind, I don't put the Nets in the same category as the Wizards or the Hornets, but those are the kind of teams that lose these kind of games by these types of margins. Yeah, the teams that have lost by these margins, by the way, the biggest loss of the year is 62. OKC beat the Blazers. Sixers beat the Hornets by 53. Celtics beat the Pacers. I mean, so the Pacers are in there. They lost by 51. Uh, Mavericks beat Utah by 50. Those are like the 50-plus game losses. And then you got like a Wizards, Pelicans, Lakers. I mean, there's some okay teams that fall into this range. So it can happen. Um, it doesn't look good. You're, it's It's easier to do it if you're a bad team. For sure. And just real quick, before I, we get into that last piece, I just want to highlight two other stats that I just think yeah. stood out. One is just highlighting what we were talking about before about like the Nets not being able to beat anybody on offense. The uh, the Celtics starters had one block 
One block. That's couldn't score at all. No block shots. It was just a testament that they just couldn't beat anybody, right? Yeah. They couldn't beat anybody in the perimeter at all. And then the final tally at the end of this game, uh, net starters 29, Peyton Pritchard 28. That was how uh, That was how the score. <laughs> By the way, starters, Dorian Finney-Smith led all starters. And, and at one point, he was finished the game minus 10. That led all starters, four points, almost impressive. And he was leading the team as a minus 10, having not scored at all at one point in this game. Just impressive things from all throughout this. Yeah, game. Bridges led all net starters with 10 points. And then they, it was uh, Claxton six, Camp four, Schroeder four, uh, DFS four. I, it's just terrible. So anyway, like I, not to harp too long on it, but I did want to highlight those two things. It's like, oh, maybe they're just getting stuffed at the rim the whole no that was that it wasn't even that that was happening it was just just like terrible shots thought they were getting fouled kind of maybe were a little bit wouldn't have really mattered so overall so your question before was about like you know look in the mirror time mm -hmm. i mean I, you have to right like I, I i can't you can't lose by this these two games in a row and think like one you're gonna make like a push to the end of the season and maybe they're just okay with it and two <laughs> that they're one star away. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so I was joking before. I was like, oh, they look like a team that's just one guy away. I mean, like, yeah, like but we've struggled with this at times during the season. Now, yeah. one thing to always remember with losses like this is you're never as bad as your worst loss. You're never as good as your best win. Like, that's mm -hmm. usually a good, um, like, a just like a good grounding effect to, like, sort of have on analysis. Two okay. is the worst time, usually, <laughs> to do macro thinking about your team is following a loss like this because it's so difficult to see a scenario where they ever win again. The Nets are going to win like a bunch more games. Like I'm very, very confident in that. We, we went through their schedule the other day. We broke down. We kind of had to tally these as losses already, mm -hmm. right? Just based on like when we went through sort of what they needed to have done for the rest of the year, we put these as like sort of definitive losses. Now, that doesn't make it better, but it also doesn't mean they're going to lose every game from here on out. So sure. I don't think we see grand sweeping changes from this. It is a reminder, though, that this iteration of the team is like far away from right from like contention or high level seeding. And I, I think like that's not really a, a take ground in a 50 point loss. I think this is just a soft, well, maybe harsh reminder that that's probably the case. Yeah, I, I think a game like this, to your point, and you went seven and twenty. We talk about injuries and all these different things, but it's the if you were selling yourself as a fan on the idea, well, wait until this off season after the deadline passes, and there's some rumblings they're going to go get player X or player Y. Okay, but no, wait until the off season. If we're if we're following the pattern here for this organization from Joe Side to Sean Marks and down the chain of command, then I wouldn't assume that it's this off season. I wouldn't assume it's the next trade deadline. I might not assume it's the next it's the next offseason after that. And sometimes games like these and runs like this can can clarify for yourself. Even if you like players on an individual level, the collective result is not going to be well, there more often than not. I mean, the only guy they were missing today was Ben Simmons. Everyone else right. is healthy. Like this team's fully healthy. The guy that really doesn't score a lot. It looks like represents about 50. Okay, and guess what? Targets. Fine. They were missing Ben Simmons. Celtics didn't have Jalen Brown. I know. Right? Like yeah. that's their that's their third best player. And so, like, I mean, I know some people would be like, oh, Derek White, whatever. It's like he's a really – he's a great player, right? Yeah. So they're missing a great player, someone who's much better than Simmons yeah. at this point at this point right now, right, is better is a better player than Ben Simmons for sure. And so 
the Celtics weren't even a full team. So this is like a relatively healthy Nets team. Yeah, Cam Johnson coming back from injury. Dorian Finney-Smith mm-hmm. still on a minutes limit, right? Okay, so little problems. But this is like a relatively healthy team. Now, again, no one thinks that, and we're going to talk about this next episode, but like no one thinks that this version of the Nets is the ultimate version of the Nets, like Sean Marks would say as much too. But it hammers home the idea that on a talent level, like they're far away. They're far away from these teams. Like they're they're just they just are. I mean, stack well, these guys Celtics up against Celtics are going to compete to go to the finals and maybe win a championship this year, right? And if that's who on the Nets, way. who on the Nets would start for the Celtics right now? Oh, no, I mean, probably. Maybe is it like for sure? I don't. I was just like maybe, right? <laughs> I mean, he would. He would. He would really start over Derek White, I guess. But like the. I, the fact that you even have to stop and think about it, and maybe I we like look like a clown for even questioning it. Like I, I'm sure he he would start, but like after that, no one else is even close to yeah. starting for the for that Celtics team. Now that's the best team of basketball right now, so maybe that's not a totally fair comparison. But it is a fair comparison when you are seeing yourself as like a two to three years, you know, two seasons away from contending mm-hmm. with these teams. Then it is a fair comparison because if you can't put multiple guys in uh, your current team into another really good team starting lineup, then you're just like, use that as a litmus test for where you are. Yeah. Like just look across the court and decide where you are. Brit may bridges start. Okay, fine. Like that's, and that one they might even talk about. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. and, and so I, it just, it just, I think it really brings home a stunning clarity that when you asked at the beginning of this, did the Nets mis- make a misstep at the trade deadline? Maybe, possibly, probably, <laughs> right? Like, I, like that's, that could be where we are. Yeah. And listen, and now that you can do simple ones like Dorian Finney Smith, right. And whatever that looks like, or at the highest level possible, Mikhail Bridges. And then you project out over the next couple of seasons and say, when is his value going to get any higher than this? Maybe it does and it all works out, but historically underneath Sean Marks, we've actually seen trade values only diminish. And then them ended up taking less than what they at one point, at least were speculated, were able to get for these guys. So it does feel weird. And then again, the last point here before we move into, I want to get into Jock Vaughn and and what he can control in a game like this and what he failed, I think, to do. But the other part of this too is games like this crystallize that that whatever runway you're on, Mikhail Bridges might not be a part of of the end destination in terms of his age and his timeline and his contract. So uh, it's a rough one. We obviously will turn the page away from this loss, but coming up here in a second, did Jock Vaughn fail to take an opportunity to send a message to all of his starters in this game by letting them play well into the third and even the fourth quarter? We dive in on that coming up in just one second. All right, before we get to that, make myself feel better here. Talk about our friends over at Hungry Root. Look, when it comes to grocery shopping, there's a couple things you want to check off. You want to make sure you're saving time. You want to make sure you're saving money. You want to make sure you're reducing waste. And you want to make sure that you're getting good, healthy stuff to be able to fill that basket. This is where Hungry Root comes in. It's your partner in healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries, simple, healthy recipes delivered right to your door. You save money. You save time and you get healthier with Hunger Root. All you do over at Hunger Root, you take a little short quiz. They're going to get to know your personal health goals, what kind of foods you like, even what kind of kitchen appliances you like to use. And they're going to build a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week 
and give you the delicious recipes and recommendations to put those groceries to good use. That's the full stack, baby. You're getting everything delivered right to your door. Make sure it's healthy. Make sure you're saving money. Right now, Hunger Root is offering Locked On Nets listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Go to HungryRoot.com slash Locked On. Grab 40% off your first delivery. Get those free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com. Don't forget to use that link. Assuming hungryroot.com slash locked on. Don't forget to use that link so they know what we sent you. Hungryroot.com slash locked on. All right. So, as we tie a bow on the post game podcast, as Doug and I said coming into it, we predicted these would be losses. Did we think that this would be at the level of a 136 86 historic second worst in franchise history loss? No, probably not. And at the top, we talk about how everyone's to blame and accountability. And listen, I'm not going to sit here. And, you know, Mikhail Bridges wants to play every game. Good for him. Th th that's fantastic. When I go inside this box score and I see that Mikhail Bridges played 26 minutes, I, I don't know what we're doing. And I'm going to ask it on two levels. The first one is when you don't see effort. Now, whether or not coaching, could Jacques Vaughn be a better coach? Sure. But when you see that these guys are giving absolutely zero, I pull every single one. I play all the young guys like I, I, Trendon Watford and Jalen Wilson and anybody else that you can pull off the bench. Bates Diop, they all go in. They all play 30 minutes. They all carry out the rest of this thing. You just say, listen, you guys got to sit down and take a look in the mirror. Now, again, I understand that Jacques Vaughn may not be the best coach, but in a game like this, when it starts out like that, it does feel like there is some loss between whatever message he's preaching in the locker room and the way that the players come out. Because the one thing that you, you don't need to coach or shouldn't need to coach is effort. And we said this now a few times over the past few weeks that there have been games when it looks like the players are mostly checked out of giving everything they could in these ones. And Cam Thomas, not to single him out, but he was an example of this. He came out of the last game saying, yeah, it feels like I'd gotten to a level in the NBA that I'm not getting calls from the refs. It's frustrating. He kind of came out and looked like he wanted to make a point. I'll throw my body into you. I'm not getting the calls. And everybody, everybody was doing this on the team. So I'm not singling him out alone. Mikhail Bridges didn't look terribly interested in this game either. Yeah, like they all argue with the ref. I think that like you do have to put the square on the coaching. They were completely unprepared for the scheme. It was like they it was almost kind of like they didn't even know Przingis was playing, <laughs> like because he didn't play last night, which is like well, really. I mean, Who's they clearly guy? knew, but they were clearly like knew, but there was like no plan. To really like, and it was like, I don't know if they, you know, they tried to like, you know, Tatum scorched them last night. And so they maybe like were a little dialed in on making sure that didn't happen again. But then that's why Tatum had a bunch of assists. Like I said, they ran totally different actions than yep. they ran last night because they had different personnel and Porzingis gives them um, just sort of like a totally new element. Yeah, I think that goes squarely on the coach. I don't think I don't see how it can't. And if you can't get the guys motivated to play then that's like half the battle, right? Is like, is trying to get these guys dialed up. It's a back-to-back. -back. It's going to be a tough loss. Hey, they made a second half run yesterday, like you said. Um, weren't able to sort of capitalize on that momentum at all. And with a mostly healthy team, I mean, this is, should be a team that comes out going into the All-Star break, like looking to really make hay on maybe possibly an upset. You know, they're not going to have Jalen Brown. Right. You're getting like a Jalen Brown down the Sam Hauser reduction in talent yeah. like that should help you. And to have like none of it matter at all and to feel like they just didn't even know what the Celtics were going to be doing. That's all coaching to me. Like that's just all coaching. And. Like, I think we probably let Vaughn off the hook a ton at times this year just because I don't know that just because we look at the talent we, level and we think that they're not good enough to beat a lot of the better teams, but it shouldn't it, we, we probably 
have stopped short of saying, but you can be coached a lot better on a night to night basis. Right? Of course, of course, there's yeah. plenty of other teams that have no, that have like talent reductions that like still go out and fight really hard every night and are trying to utilize like sort of the personnel that they have in the moment in order in order to like stay in games. I mean, an example of this would be like Memphis, right? If you look mm -hmm. at Memphis, Memphis has literally lost everybody, right? No Ja, no Marcus Smart, no Desmond Bain. And they've shifted the way they play to like just have Jaron Jackson Jr. make take a ton of shots. Now they're losing too, but they're in like they've been in a lot of games, right? <laughs> like yeah. they're losing, but they are fighting with a with a. I mean, this is like John Conchar and Vince Williams, and you know, like they're ro literally rotating a point guard every single night because they're sending the guys to the G League. Literally, like it's like Scotty Pippen one night goes to the G League on the ten day. Like Jacob Gilliard goes to the G League. I mean, this is like what's happening every single night for the team. I'm using them as an example to say that's a team that's down all their guys. And are continuing to like try to show new things because Taylor Jenkins like is like a good coach. The yeah. Nets like have shown none of that this year, and they've like except like when Simmons plays when they're just like when he sort of like pushes another identity just sort of on his own. Mm -hmm. Like short of that, they don't really. They've made zero changes, so that that is a lot of coaching. And you can point to other examples throughout the NBA that have made more with less even though the teams that aren't very good. No, I agree with you. And here's my other big thing that my, I guess maybe my final thought coming out of this one before, as you'll note, if you're watching on YouTube, we do have it listed there. Turn the page. It's all-star break. You'll come out. We talk about games. We think that the Nets can win. But the first guy, the ways that come off the bench was uh, Cam Johnson, who came off the bench in this one. A shooter got the start. Then you also got Lonnie Walker and you got uh, Dennis Smith Jr., was a little was mostly surprised by that because you're you're down Ben Simmons, so you're already size deficient in a matchup that you're already size deficient in, even when you have Ben Simmons. And then you don't see any Jalen Wilson. Now he ends up playing 19 minutes because of how much garbage time there was here. And Trendon Watford ends up playing 26 minutes because how much garbage time is here. I'm not going to point to Watford's, you know, five or seven from the field and 15 points as any indicator of what could have been done. But Jalen Wilson didn't see the game, didn't see the court until midway through the second quarter. We just spent the last episode talking about how he's proven himself capable and deserving of getting rotational minutes. This is another one. And we said this, we have said this all year. Jock Vaughn's just complete blind spot for young players has gotten to an egregious level. And especially in a game like this, take advantage of every opportunity to develop young guys. How do I look in a box score where the Nets lost by 50 and Noah Clowney was there and got in for eight minutes? It just, it's impossible. And I don't want to hear that. You don't want to expose some young guys. They're going to get beat. Of course, they're going to get beat up. Of course, it's going to be bad matchups, but you're going to play all the backups for the Celtics. It's NBA level reps. So I found that part as egregious as anything that even inside of what the starters were or were not doing, the players that you utilized, it just, I don't know if Trendon Watford can take on the assignment, but he's a bigger body. He's one of the biggest bodies you can put out there. So utilize them. So fundamentally, I disagreed with the rotations that Vaughn brought into this game. This like highlighted what I thought we thought originally when we made the Jalen Wilson prediction about like lack of minutes. Like it was this iteration of the team. Yep. You know, it's Cam Johnson coming. Cam looked terrible. Um, right. and like he looked, he didn't look still hurt, but he definitely looked like he hadn't played in a while. He, he couldn't do anything. It was like start a drive, have it instantly shut off, turn around, pass. Like that was kind of it. That was like that was kind of everybody. But like the Jalen Wilson thing is exactly this is exactly what we when we were like hey we're not going to find minutes it was like hey when these guys get back mostly healthy is is going to be hard to find uh, five minutes on this team and but the problem is that the veterans aren't going to look you know 
that bouncy, then like you probably just need to make a change. These guys just didn't look like it was there. So look, yeah, a lot of problems here. If your starters aren't going to be head and shoulders above your young players, then there's no reason that they shouldn't be sharing the court over the last 29 games. Now that they have remaining. All right, look, we're going to stick around here on here YouTube for a little bit. The rest of this will go up as Friday's podcast. So make sure you go back over onto the podcast feed uh, mm -hmm. to we're going to go over sort of like just take as we go into the all-star break, take a look at a high level view of who is going to be around in two all-star breaks for this uh, Brooklyn Nets team. Because I think when we start looking at it that way, uh, you might see like a lot of changes here happening. In the meantime, make sure you go to visit wegotnets.com. Grab that free ebook. YouTube folks, stick around here for a little bit. We'll jump in and grab some questions from you guys as well. Adam, take us out of here. Life is the art of drawing without an eraser. That's John W. Gardner. Well, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back tomorrow in a moment on YouTube talking more Brooklyn. That's basketball. Day.